Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. In the house. Come on, high five two people around you and say, we're better together. We're better together. We're better together. I think one of my favorite subjects that I could ever talk on is vision. I love, I love talking about vision. It excites me perhaps like nothing else, apart from church. I think church excites me, but that is vision, is talking about church and the house of God. And here's why I get excited when I talk about vision, because it reminds me of everything that we have available and possible through God. It reminds us, again, to dream bigger. It reminds us to step deeper. It reminds us to begin to cry out to God, I believe, in a greater way. Because vision is an awesome message, but it's also a scary message. And it's scary for this reason, because the thought process of how. Have you ever been in that place where you know God's given something to you, but you're like, how? And that can kind of be scary when you've got to get between A and like Z and you don't know how you're going to get there. But you know what God has reminded me of so many times in my life? When it's His will, it's His bill. That means that God will take care of it. God will provide. God will give the means. Joseph, to get out of prison, had to come in contact with a butler and baker. He didn't think he was going to get out, but God brought the people he needed to get his victory. In our lives, we can think we're in a prison, but vision wants to see beyond that. Today, God wants to bring you a butler and a baker. God wants to give you fresh hope for your life. And for the next two weeks, we're going to be sharing the importance of vision. We're going to be talking about the power of vision. Many don't realize everything that vision contains, not just for this church, but for your life, for your future, for your family, and the necessity to be connected to it. We're proud of our vision. We're proud of what God has called us to. And I'm telling you right now, we haven't shared only a portion of the vision that God has given us. Because if I was to share everything that God has given me, it would freak every one of you out. Because it freaks me out. So we're sharing what we need to go forth and to grasp a hold of, believing for God. You see, if it's something we can do, we don't need God. So vision is something that's beyond us, something that we need God to help us. And we believe God has great things in store for Encounter Church. And here's where I want to begin today. We're better together. We're better together. Come on, say that one more time with me. We're better together. I love this scripture from Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 12. And the title of this in my Bible says this, the value of friendship. The value of friendship. It says two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if one falls, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is what? Alone when he falls. For he has no one. Say with me, no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, husband and wife. Just saying. Just saying. Two lay together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be 
overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. In that passage, we see so many incredible things about together. It says we're better together because two is better than one. There's better reward when we are together. There's companionship. There's help if we stumble. We can lift each other up. There's warmth if we can connect together. There's security with each other. There's strength because a threefold cord is not quickly broken. That's the toughest type of rope there is. Three strands woven together. A threefold cord. Why? Because all things are possible together, not alone, not alone. But here's the thought also, we're not just better together, it's also together with purpose. Together with purpose. And I want to show you what I mean by that from Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord And in one place. Two distinct things right there. Two key points that we need to see. They were in one accord. They had one heart. They had one mind. But they were in the same place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. What happens when they come together? Heaven responds. When they come together in unity, heaven responds. But heaven didn't respond just to a group of people. It was more than just a people say, come on, let's get over here and let's go to McDonald's and have a burger. It was more than just let's gather together. They were gathering together under the response of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm leaving, but let me tell you something, I'm not leaving you alone. And God said, you go over there and you wait because the Holy Spirit are promises. So every one of them had the same mind. Come on, we're waiting for the promise of God. They had one heart, they had one mind. They didn't understand what it was and how it was going to happen. But God said it was. So together they came in one heart, one mind, in one place. And suddenly God moved. Suddenly God moved. I believe as we come together under the vision of this house, not just being in this church... But coming together with the vision of the house, I believe the same can happen. I'm believing that some suddenlies are going to take place. I'm believing for some miracles to break out in this house. Come on. Uh, Because I know this, that when suddenly happens, God shows up and God shows off. Amen. And I'm ready for God to show off. I'm ready for God to flex his guns. You know what I'm talking about? I'm ready for God to do the miraculous supernatural. I'm ready for God to do the impossible. I'm ready for God to break bondages. I'm ready for God to open prison doors. I'm ready for the suddenlies to take place. You see, vision is this. Vision is where we are going. That's why it's so important. Vision is where we're going. I can say to you right now, okay, let's go to the mall of Louisiana and there could be 10 different ways that we could get there. And a lot of people say, well, that's as long as we get there, that's important. Yeah, that is important. But I believe vision says this is the way that we're going to get there. And we're going to go there together because vision is a direction. It's not directions. It's a direction. It's a common goal and it's a common purpose. And we see this from the Message Bible. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. If people cannot see what God is doing, they will stumble all over themselves. The NIV version says where there is no revelation. One translation says where there is no divine guidance, when there is no voice of God, when there is no vision, when there is no direction, what is happening? People are casting off restraint. 
One translation says people are going wild. They're running wild. They're stumbling all over themselves. And unfortunately today, that's what we're seeing in the church world today. We're seeing people who are saying, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to touch God this way, and I'm going to touch, and there's confusion in the house, and, and people are afraid. I don't know when to bring my friend, because what's going to happen in church? And what, There's a lot of confusion that's going on, and can I tell you right now, a lot of it, and most of it, is not God. It's not God. It's man. It's his way. It's his ideals. It's what he thinks it should be. Why? Because God is a God of order. I really believe that. God is a God of order. He does things in order. He does things with order. Let's read on that verse. It says, but when they attend to what he reveals, when they follow vision, when they connect to God's divine revelation, his word, his direction, his response that's needed for our lives, they are not just blessed, but they are most blessed. Come on, the NIV says, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. So what do we see from God's word? In vision, God unity, when we come together, there is blessing. There is blessing for you. There's blessing for me. There's blessing together. Acts 2 talked about a suddenly blessing that wants to come. And God wants to bless us in so many different ways. Some people misrepresent vision and they think that vision is restricting. Well, I don't like a way. I like to be able to do things my way. And I, like the, I don't like this and it's restricting. I'm telling you, vision is not restricting. It's just defining. It's just defining. It's something that we can have peace and comfort in as we are a part of because it's setting a clear course. So notice this. Vision is where we're heading. Everyone got that? But then culture is the atmosphere we create in order to get there. So culture is the vehicle that we're driving to get to the destination of vision. It's the atmosphere that we are creating. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? What you felt when you came in today? Come on, most of you today would say something like this. I've never felt so much love and such a family and such acceptance than when I stepped in today. You think that happens by chance? I mean, just really, do you think that happens by chance? No, we have been very creative. We've been very, come on, we've been very geared towards that. Why? Because we have created that atmosphere, and we know it's God too, but God has to be welcomed into an atmosphere. And we're doing everything we can to create an atmosphere that God can feel welcome. I remember the story Tommy Tenney talked about in his book. Um, What was this book? I can't remember it right now. God chases. He said that he had a friend that was overweight. And this friend had broken so many chairs in people's houses and in his life that he would come at people's house and he would stand at the door before he would take his coat off because he would scour the room to see if he felt there was a chair that could support his weight. He said, I think God is like that in many churches today. Because the gloriness of God speaks of the weightiness of God. And he says, I think God has broken his last chair in the church. And he's looking for a people that will build him a throne that says, come on, God, with all your power and might and strength, you're welcome here. Come on, that's the culture we're creating at Encounter Church. Come on, God, you're welcome here. Last time I checked, it's his house, not my house. It's his house. And we're creating that, the excellence that you see around. Come on, we believe in excellence, not extravagance. 
We want everything to look nice, smell nice, feel nice. The order of the services, everything we put in, the worship, the messages, the preaching. What are we doing? We're creating a culture that has taken people to Jesus. Dream teams, what are we doing? We're serving. Today, some of you parents can enjoy the service because someone's watching your kids. Man, how awesome is that? We're glad of that too. They can cry over there. They don't have to cry in here. I'm so glad today that someone got up and drove the bus today and brought some of you to church. I'm so glad that someone welcomed you in the door today. I'm so glad that someone came and made you a coffee today. That doesn't happen if people aren't creating that culture and serving on dream teams. E-kids, wave youth, growth track. That's our culture that's supporting our vision and taking us where we're going. So what's our vision here at this church? Really simple, life, love, purpose. I'm going to say that with me, life, love, purpose. I love that. So simple that we can all understand it. Life, love, purpose. And you need to come back next week because we're really going to dive into that in greater depth next week. We're going to really practically explain that and how we're going to do that. So you've got no questions with that. But I want to hit a few high points today. Come on, life starts. Life starts through knowing God. Life starts through knowing Jesus. There's no true life without Jesus. Maybe there's an existence, but that's not true living. John 10.10 tells us the thief does not come except to steal, kill and destroy. We know that. He's taken from us for long enough. But Jesus says, I have come. Here's the reason Jesus came. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it what? More abundantly. That you would have it to the full, to the max. That you would have a rich and satisfying life. The reason reason he came is to bring to you life and not just any life an abundance of life surplus more than you can need for what reason so you can impart and impact other people that God can use you see because our vision are you ready our vision life is more than just you our vision here is this our vision is bigger than just you Life is more than just you. We love you. We want you to know God. But we need you to help us touch other people. Did you catch that? It's bigger than just you. Thank you that you're here. But there's a purpose for you being here. We need you to help touch other people. If God's purpose for your life was just for you to know Him and for you just to be saved, the moment you made that personal commitment that you gave your life to Christ, he would have, bam, taken you up to heaven because that would have been his purpose for you. Down, they're done. But the last time I checked, you're still here. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're still here. You're still here. So you've got to live that purpose. That means you're still needed. That means that you're needed for life to start in someone else's life, for them to know Jesus. And I want to say something very important also in the thought of knowing God. If you are still here, and you've maybe come for this church for a number of weeks or even months. And if you're still here searching God, if you're still here getting to know God, if you're still a little bit unsure about this Jesus that we're talking about every week, man, you are welcome here. Man, you are so welcome here. Because I want you to understand our, our vision is never to force anyone. But our vision is to introduce you to a loving, saving, gracious, merciful, heavenly Father. Come on. And if you're not there yet, keep coming. 
Because I can promise you this, week in and week out, you're going to hear more about Jesus. You're going to hear more about his plan for your life. So what? So you can take that next step to a personal relationship with God. You see, our vision wants to help everyone to know God in a greater way. I don't care if you've been saved 30 years. There's so much more of God that you still need to know. And our vision is that people would know God. You know, one of the biggest reasons I think you should love this church, I think there's many reasons you should love this church. But one of the biggest reasons I think you should love this church is because you know every service, we give the opportunity for people to receive Christ. That means I can invite my friends with comfort, knowing that they're going to have a chance to receive Jesus on Sunday. I know pastor's not going to pass that by. They're going to have an opportunity. They're going to have to fight through that, and I'm going to be praying that God's going to convict them. So good. Come on, we've always done that from the start. Why, why is that? Here's the thought. Salvation is still the beginning point. Salvation is still the entry gate into the fullness that God has. And week after week, we want people to know God in a personal way, a life-changing way. And again, we're going to talk more about that next week. Second part, love happens. Wow, it happens as you find freedom in Christ. As people find freedom in Christ. As you begin to settle your yesterdays and step into the glorious future that Christ has for you. And this is only possible through love. You see, what happens when you know God and you give Him your life and life starts, love comes. Because that's what God is. He's love. And He comes. And now because love comes, you can give love. You can share love to other people. Look at this. 1 John 4 verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is Love. God is love. If it was possible to divide God into one trillion pieces, it's not. But if it were possible to divide Him that many ways, every piece of God would still scream out, love, love, love. Why? Because you can't separate love from God because love isn't what He does. Love is who He is. He is love. And about two plus years ago, we really were looking at our church. As the lead team, we were really discussing things behind closed doors. We were looking at things and there was areas of our church that we just weren't happy with. We didn't see the flow that we wanted and we were scratching our heads and we were praying and we were seeking God and we felt that our weakest point was right here, that love happening, that people weren't stepping into freedom. And you know what they say, if you've got a bucket and there's holes, you've got to start at the bottom one if you want to fill it up. So we wanted to start at the bottom hole to begin to plug it. And we've been working on others as we've gone up. But we were seeing and have been seeing people get saved, but we weren't connecting them like we felt to their purpose. And through much prayer and counsel and looking and just really seeking God, last September we rebranded and relaunched our church used to be Heartsease Family Life Church. Now it's Encounter Church. And what a year it's been. I says, what a year it's been. What a transition. I know some of you last September, you're like, man, last August when I'm preaching this message, you're like, man, it's always going to be Heartsease to me. Man, I've noticed it's Encounter now, isn't it? Come on, it's amazing that we can just step into it. And we just really felt that was a new identity for us going into a new season that we wanted people to encounter God in a new and powerful ways. And one of the ways that we believe we've solved that connection issue was just building a small group community. 
and getting people connected because we believe we're better together. Come on, say that with me. We're better together. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other, not as the Savior. I'm not going to someone as my Savior. I'm not confessing my sins to them because they're my Savior. I'm confessing what the struggles I'm going through in my life so I can look at people and say, you too? That there's something about being around other people when you realize I'm not the only one. There's other people that have struggles in their marriage too. There's other people that struggle with their mouths too. I thought I was the only one that shouted at my kids. I thought I was the only one that had fear and doubt plague my mind. I thought I was the only one that struggled with tithing. I thought, are you getting the picture? Are you getting the picture? As we confess, then what happens? We pray for one another. That's the important part. That as we come together in our weaknesses and in who we are, but we come to God and we pray. Guess what happens? We're healed. We're healed. That's what the Bible says. Because the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And again, we're going to go into greater detail next week. But listen to me today. The goal of groups is not to make you more busy. We already know you're more busy. It's not another night. It's not something else to add. The goal of groups is to get you together with purpose because we're better together. We're better together. The last point of our vision statement is purpose is revealed. It's twofold that you discover your purpose and then you grab a hold of that and you use it to make a difference. We want you to live out the purpose that God has, the plan that God has for your life. You know, they say this, the two greatest days of a person's life are the day they were born and the day they discovered why. The day they were born and the the day they discovered why they were born. I said two of the greatest, not the greatest. Because salvation is the greatest day that any life that you would have. But you've got to be born first before you can be born again. Amen. They say that about 12% of the church world knows its God-given purpose. 12%. Just think how your body would operate if 12% of you knew how to function properly. And that would leave, what, 88% of you just going wild and crazy. You would be out of control. You wouldn't be able to eat. You wouldn't be able to sleep. You wouldn't be able to work. You wouldn't be able to live. That would be impossible to do. And that's the problem we have with the church world today. We've got people who are not living in their purpose. The body of Christ is not as complete as it needs to be because Corinthians tells us that every part serves a purpose. And it shows a picture of a body that we need each other. Why? To support each other, to facilitate each other, but in order to grow and to be blessed. And our vision believes this. The vision of this church believes that every one of you were created for a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 and 13 says this, For I know the plans I have for you. Notice for you a specific plan. He doesn't just say for this church, for your neighborhood. God says, I have a plan for you, says the Lord. I love how he, he, he does that. I love that when he talks about tithing and, and certain really important things. He just adds that, says the Lord. It's like signed God, just in case you were wondering who said that. God says, I've got a plan for you, 
God. He, he's signing that and he's letting us know that they're plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. That sounds good to me. There's a purpose. There's a future. There's a hope for my life. I didn't have it outside of God, but in God, there's a future. There's a hope, a plan. As I am planted in a local church under a vision, come on, there's a plan of a future and a hope and of blessing for me. And it says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. Thank you, God. For if you look to me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God has a plan and his plan wants all of you. I'm going to say a statement right now and you may not like this. But hey, deal with it. Salvation doesn't work half-heartedly. If you want salvation to work, you've got to give it everything. Oh, you may see a little bit, but that's not it really working. That's it just maybe ticking over. If you want to see things work, then you give everything. If you want to see God bless you, if you want to see, you, you give everything. You just give your whole life to God because I'm telling you, that's where it works. And I believe today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. It's our chance to give our lives to God. And again, next week, we're going to talk about how you can do that. We're going to help you with that. Growth track is a great way that will help you to discover that. Because here's what we ask here in this church. We say, give us four weeks of your life to help us, help you find your purpose. And Growth Track is a great tool. Right now, at 11 o'clock today, people are going to be going through the, the, the personality profile and the spiritual gift. And that has been revolutionary for so many people. That they're like, what? I never saw that. Everyone else maybe saw it in me, but I didn't. And it's just so confirming of what God has for each. And I've heard parents say, man, I've told my kids this. And they just like were blown away when they took it. And we're asking you, give us four weeks. In fact, really, here's what I'm asking you, more than four weeks. I'm asking you as a pastor, give us a year of your life. Make a commitment for a year. And when I talk about making a commitment for a year, here's what we want. To be here, to hear the gospel. To hear the messages that have been taught from God's word every week. We want you to be connected in a small group, in a community. We want you to be serving on a dream team. And I can guarantee you this. You give us one year of your life, I'm telling you, your life will never be the same again. Your life will never, your life will be changed forever. And I believe for some of you, it's going to be a suddenly moment, just like we heard. That God's going to do things that you can. Why? Because that's the power of vision. Because we're better together, together with purpose. If one man and a mouse could impact this entire world, talking about Walt Disney, Disney World, you can hardly go anywhere in the world that people don't recognize the name or the mouse. And one man with a mouse, he had a vision and he had a dream and people thought he was foolish. But he would not let go of that. And we see what has happened. And I think if one man with a mouse can do that, what can a group of people in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, come on, not with just a mouse, but with the creator of the universe on our side, him walking alongside of us and leading us and guiding us and impacting us. Come on, we can empower this region for Jesus Christ. We can do it together. You see, our vision isn't just about filling buildings. It's not just about filling this building. It's not about filling buildings because our vision is that we're looking in the future to have satellite campuses 
in different communities in different areas. Our vision is not just to support local and global missions and outreach, which we do monthly. We do it in that way. We do it locally, we do it nationally, and we do it globally. Locally, we support Southeast Ministries that helps feed those in this community. We also support A Door of Hope. It's Miss Kristen's ministry that is absolutely phenomenal. does a great job. We support other local missions too on an ongoing basis. We support nationally the ARC, which is planting and building churches. Do you know today in America, 21 new churches are opened in America just today? Just today. 21 life-giving churches. And you better be excited because you're a part of that, because we partner with that. And we sow into that. And we're also globally too. Right now, just this weekend, we fed over 10,000 kids in Nicaragua. And we're touching and helping a school. We're helping these things. You may say, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're sowing into Israel right now, onto Mount Carmel. One percent of everything that comes into this church goes to Israel because God loves Israel. That's his chosen people. And we're so excited. You see, but that's not just our vision. You see, our vision isn't about numbers. Huh. Our vision is souls. It's souls. Some of you may say, well, that's just another way of saying numbers. Yes, maybe. But when you identify a soul, you are identifying a person. Not just a nameless number. We're not about, wow, 2,900 people were in our church this week. Praise God. And we're going to get to a place where that's going to be the case. And more. Do I hear amen? Amen. But you know what? The real thought is this. How many people have we plundered from hell? And have we populated heaven? Because it's about a soul. Because as long as we're going to be pastoring and leading this church, everyone is as valuable as the next person. There's value and importance in every person. Because here's what we want. We want people to find a community and a family. We want people to find a place to call home. Everyone needs a place to call home. Everyone needs to have a family. Some of you got a weird family. Kind of have a normal family here in the house. But everyone needs a family. Everyone needs to feel connected. Everyone needs to feel loved. And I began to think about home. And I wrote down some thoughts about home. Home is where what? Home is where we are loved. Uh, that's what home should be about. Parents loving, a loving environment. If that's not happening out there, it's happening in here. You have a home where you can be in love. Someone's encouraged you today. Someone's given you a hug. Someone's welcomed you home. Home is a place where you are educated. We didn't like that at school where you had to do some homework, but that was where you grew in education. Come on, you are learning each and every week because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. We're educating you in the house to be a better parent, to be a better spouse, to be a better employer and a better employee, a better person, period. You are learning those things. Oh, home is where you're disciplined. You spare the rod, you spoil the child, but those whom the Lord loves, 
loves, He disciplines, He challenges. I want to be challenged in the house. I don't want to have my ears itched every time I come to church. I want to be slapped up the side of the head a few times. I need to be kicked in the seat a few times and need to be reminded that I ain't the boss, but God is and His plan and purpose reigns supreme for my house. Home is where I grow. We've got pictures in our house of our kids. When they were little, they were older now. You know you've probably got one of those walls in your house with the pictures and everyone's grown. Some of us have grown up, some of us have grown out, but we're all growing in the house. I'm telling you, what growth I've seen in this house. I look at Blake and Brooke and I look at so many people. Trey, when he came in here lost and found a wife in the house and now it's a children and serving in the house. I see the growth that we've seen. Anyone grown in the house? Anyone know? And there's power in the house. Well, here's something else that's good about a house. Food. We eat in the house. Amen. You can go in the pantry. There's food in the house. Thank you, God. Come on, as we bring our tithes along with other things. But God says, there's food in my house. Come on, there's some food in here today. Aren't you glad we're not eating Roman noodles at Encounter Church today? Come on, we're eating some steak and we're eating some shrimp and we're eating some lobster and we're eating some crawfish pie. Son of a gun, we're having fun under the bayou. I love this one about a house and a home. Come on, you laugh in the house. There's joy in a house. Come on, you got to learn how to laugh. The Bible says that laughter doth good like a medicine. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, have a good laugh right now. <laughs> Come on, home is where you have fun. Home's where you kick your shoes off and you can chill and relax. Come on, I'm home. I'm home. There's nothing worse than being around some people's house and you just don't feel like you can even breathe. When you've got kids, you're like afraid, don't touch nothing, don't do nothing. It's like this. Oh. Come on, how many knows that home is childproof? Home is just whatever proof. You can do whatever. You can put your feet up on the couch at home. You can do... You can relax. Home, you can sleep and rest. Bible says, come unto me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God says, let me take that burden off of you. That's what happens. Everyone needs a place to call home. I think one of Satan's greatest attacks today has been against the home, against the family. The family unit that we see now is completely different to what God intended it to be. If you look at many homes and families today, there's little to no interaction in the home. There's little or no talking. There's little or no engaging in the house. We're connected in that other place. We're connected socially with the world, but we're disconnected with our family and those around. There's too little family time. People aren't eating together. Come on, parents, put the cell phones away and eat around a table together. Have time together. Play together. And you may say, well, mom and dad ain't doing that. Well, you instigate it because everyone needs to play there part in that. Come on, get everyone out of your own world. This is our home. This is our family. We work together. We play together. We love together. Joshua said these words. He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I believe serving the Lord is more than just saying, God, I live for you. I believe serving the Lord is more than saying, God, I made a personal commitment to you. I believe in you. 
I believe serving the Lord means also that we will uphold biblical truths and biblical principles that still work today. And that means we need to take back our homes. It means we need to take back these things. Come on, I believe biblical truths is like building a family. And we want to help you with that. We want to help you with your families. Why? By creating a safe place for you and your family that you can come and grow together. Because we're better together. Say that with me. We're better together. But we're not just together. We're together with purpose. Together with purpose. One of the main pushes, and I wish I had more time. I'm out of time. Zero, zero, zero. I'm in the red right now. One of the main purposes and one of the main visions for our church going into this new season is going to be our student life. If there's ever an attack today, it's against our young men and women. And I'm so proud of Bob and Christy as they lead this incredible group. I'm so proud of their team that they have around them. I'm so proud of Rich and Corinne who are doing a great job and just everyone who is helping with that. And we just really need your help. Here's what we need, parents. We need you to have your kids here. We can't teach them. We can't help them. We can't build them. We can't do if they're not here. One of our next big projects that we're going to be doing and we're doing a great job and my dad's done a phenomenal job and we're so thankful for the faithfulness of those who have given and still given to the heart for the house just to help us build and to construct what we see. And we can only do what we have the funds available for. But one of our next big pushes is we're going to be really building out a beautiful area for our young men and women, the Wave Youth area. We're creating an area and a place for them. And here's the reason why. Are you ready? We're going to honor the past, but we're building the future. We honor the past, but we build the future. What do you mean by that? What we do today is only possible because of others who have gone before us. I could stand here today and honor so many people. I honor my mom and dad. I honor my grandparents. I honor so many people today because we are here today because of them honoring God. But really, the honor can be traced back to the first followers of Jesus in the early church. When they were being persecuted and killed for the cause of Christ, they had no idea that their stand that day would mean that we could stand today. They had no idea that their impact would have an ever-changing impact upon the course of history and the course of our lives. And we have the same opportunity today. We have the same opportunity to impact the next generations. We have the same opportunity. And it's only possible together. Because we can impact these generations to come. Think about this. The gospel message of Jesus is timeless and relevant for today. It's still timeless and still relevant for today. But here's the challenge. How do we ensure that this generation hears the message in a relevant way? You see, a lot of people think that relevance is compromised. I I disagree with that. I believe relevance can be compromised. I think a lot of people have tried to be so relevant that they have lost the course. They have lost what God has for them. And that's not our plan. That's not our vision. We're not going to go so secular that you've got to peace through it to see where God is. God's always going to be front and center in everything that we do. Come on, God's always going to be the one because that's the only one that can change a life. We're not going to trick people into salvation. The, the gospel message still saves, still delivers, still heals and still imparts. Do you see that? But we've also got to realize we can't just keep doing the same old thing. 
We want to empower the generations, releasing them to do greater things than we have ever done. My goal in this next season is to be the shoulders that can lift up the next generation. I want the next generation to stand high on our shoulders. I don't want us to look and say, man, boy, girl, you sure haven't met the standards. I want to get under them and lift them up. I want to rally around them. And I have a scripture for this, Psalms 45, 16. Instead of your fathers shall be your sons, whom you shall make princes in all the earth. The NIV version says this, your sons will take the place of your fathers. Thank God for fathers. Thank God for fathers of the faith. Thank God for those of us who are saved. Thank God for those of you who are living for God. We need your help. But what is God calling us to do? He's calling us to raise up princes and princesses. And you know what a prince and a princess is? They're a future king and queen. And God is calling us to step aside of maybe everything that we want and how we like it and how we think it should be to look for them. I love this church. I said, I love God's church, but we can't just build for what we see immediately. But we've got to build for the potential in generations unborn. We've got to build for those who still haven't met Jesus yet. We've got to build for those who will one day sit in our seats, stand on our shoulders and do greater things than you and I have ever done and ever imagined. I'm excited about that. I can't wait for that. And don't freak out and say, oh, now what are they going to do? We're going to keep doing what we've always done. But we're going to have a greater emphasis financially supporting a greater emphasis on that particular area because we believe that's where the future is. And the future's not one day. The future's today. Today is that future. And we want you to be a part of that in everything that we're doing. Ephesians 3.20, I love this, you know this. Uh, It says, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Let me say that again. God can do anything you know. Come on, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that you could ask or think. God can do more than you could ever imagine. And that's the vision of this church. We're saying, God, do more than we can ever imagine. Oh, we're honoring the past, but we're building for the future. And please be back next week for the nuts and bolts and the practical things. But as I close, I want to bring this home today. Because our vision isn't just for this church. Our vision is you. Our vision is your family. Our vision is you and our vision is our family. When you came in today, you should have received a card that looks something like this. If you did not get one of these cards, then you can put your hand up in some way. Hopefully we'll be able to serve you. If not, you can just grab one at the end. On the top of this card, it says these words. It says, my one thing. If you didn't get a card, keep your hand up. They're coming to you right now. My one thing. Here's what I want you to do today. I want you to dream again. I want you to write down that one thing that God has spoken to you about that you're perhaps even today afraid to say out loud. Because you're like, man, that's foolish. That, that, I, I miss God. I, 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 God can't do that. Come on, if you could dream real big, if you could do what God, you believe, had called you to do and not worry about what anyone else thought because we're so hindered so many times, aren't we, by what other people think. 
People are going to laugh at me if I say that. People are going to laugh at me if I believe for that. Come on, if you could do anything, if you could be what God, if you could have that God dream, what would it be today? What would it be today? Again, some of you may be afraid to write it down, but I want to encourage you. Before you leave this place today, I want you to write that down. And maybe even right now as you're contemplating that, for some of you, you may be struggling and go, man, I've got like 10 things. That's great. But try and narrow it down to at least three things. What is that one thing? What is that one thing I really need God to do right now for my life? And while you're doing that, I, I'm just going to bring this to a close today. And I know I've gone over today and I apologize. First Chronicles 17.10 says this, furthermore, the prophet Nathan is speaking to David and he says these words, he says, furthermore, I tell you that the Lord will build you a house. The Lord will build you a house. This is in response to David. King David had a desire wholeheartedly He requested to build God a house because God was still living in a tent, a tabernacle, a temporary building. God gave reasons to David why David wouldn't be the one to do it. But that's not what I want you to see today. Here's what I want you to grab. Because David longed to build God's house. God promised that he would build him a house. God promised that he would build him a house. I was just reading this morning in my daily Bible reading. It said something like this. And for the sake of his father, David, God remembered his covenant with him. This is centuries after David has lived. That God still made a commitment that he was going to build David's house. You see, when we build God's house, when we say, I want to be a part of vision. When we say, I want to serve, I want to do. When we say, God, I want to build your house. You've got to also understand what kind of house we're building. Matthew 16, 18 says, And I will build my church, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, will not be able to stand against it. That's what Jesus said. Oh, he's talking about the revelation that Peter had, because Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. But Jesus said, I want to build a church that can withstand the powers of hell. Can I tell you right now, that's what I want to build my family into. That's what I want to bring my kids up in. That's what I want to be a part of each and every week. And through vision, come on, you are connecting into that church that God says will withstand the powers of hell. You are a part of that. And here's what we believe in this house. Are you ready? As you buy into that, as you give your life, as you surrender, as we yield, as we say, Pastor, I want to be a part of that vision. As we build that house of God, the promise is God's going to take care of our kids. God's going to take care of our finances. God's going to take care of our bodies. God's going to take care of our needs. Come on, that one thing I believe can become, begin to come alive as you get a part of vision. Know this. Look at me, everyone today. Know this today. 
what God has put in your heart, He wants to complete in your life. I want to say that one more time. What God has put in your heart, God wants to complete in your life. Why? Because together with vision, all things are possible. Because I don't know about you, but I think we're better together. And we're not just in one place today. We're together with one heart and we're with one mind. Because we're together with purpose. And we're saying, God, would you move? God, would you move? God, would you move? Come on, just bow your heads right now. God, would you move? God, would you move?